just collected a few things, so we're going to use a few things here. All right, when Andy asked me, you were supposed to tell him what the thingies were that we're studying. Okay. Um, what are they called again? Uh, spiritual disciplines. There we go. Okay, so he asked me to share, like, early in the summer, and I said, maybe. And then he, I said, what's the topic? And he said, spiritual discipline. And I said, what is that? Uh, It sounds really churchy, and I'm not churchy. Uh, And he narrowed it down that there's like these 12 ideas, concepts, things um, uh, to like follow to help your walk and to know Jesus. Um, And so, but you're just going to do one, and that's solitude. And everyone in my family basically agrees and knows that I should not have been a teacher, but instead a Catholic nun, so that I could have a lot more alone time. Uh, So obviously, I was the best choice to share and teach on this particular part of spiritual discipline. See all the other people in the room for all the advice on everything else um, and how to do the other 11, Um, but I'm becoming quite the expert in solitude, even though I think I'm just starting to figure it out. Um, It's totally my favorite out of the list of 12, so here we go. Um, And as I usually say... Um, when he asked me to share, I, get, I say yes, and then I get freaked out because I, I've never had a college course or read a book on how to preach, so I really don't know what I'm doing. Um, I learned crochet by YouTube videos, like I can like learn things, but I didn't really have enough time to binge watch how to preach on YouTube. So lucky for me, we were at a leadership conference last week, and the very first speaker had this thing um, on leadership, and the first one I was like... <gasps> That's what I'm going to do. That, that, that's enough direction. So uh, 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 16. Now, there's a lot of different sermons in this scripture right here, but I'm going to let you know the one I want you to focus on. Okay, so it says, Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all, who believe, to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So that's a whole other sermon talk, right? Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. So the line that I want you, so I was like, oh, I can do it. It said, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. So that's what we're going to do today. Figured it was a good start. Um, So we're going to read some scriptures. I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to teach you. And um, I'm going to teach you through some of my own personal stories. But, um, and that's just how Jesus did. He's taught through storytelling and because we connect through that. So let's pray before we begin. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much um, for this opportunity. Um, it's not really my strength to get up and share in front of adults, more like 10-year-olds. Um, but I thank you. Um, I ask that you use my words, my stories, the things that you threw at me these last, this last season of life to um, encourage and teach and to strengthen us um, as a body together. Uh, may it not be Jen's stories, but it may, may it be your story, your true story, um, and that those words are the words for today. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so, like most sermons I've shared a couple times, 
Only the stories are usually my words. Anything good that I'm going to share, I probably borrowed it from a book, a song, a podcast, or wisdom spoken by one of you that I just kind of merged together for a sermon. So don't quote me on anything, please. Uh, But if you were to ask me how I hear God, that's how I hear God. Uh, It's kind of like a quilt of all those things overlapping and coming together. Um, And there's like these tiny little things that when you step back and look at it, you're like, whoa, that can't not be God. Um, there's too many connections there. And it's the events and the people and the words all overlapping in the same message until I'm like, oh, he's trying to talk to me. And it takes sometimes a long time. Um, So this particular sermon has been in the making for, well, my whole life. Um, A textbook middle child with older brothers, baggy hand-me-downs for 18 years. And while those are getting passed down, I shared a room with either my brother or my sister my whole childhood. I never got the last word in for the day, thanks to my won't-ever-shut-up sister, who had to be right all the time, whom I love now, but not very well back then. Um, I never knew if I actually had a body like Ellie's, thanks to my baggy boy Levi jeans, two sizes too big around my hips, thanks to my brother's hand-me-downs. So it's, you know, woe is me, childhood middle child. I was either Sean's little nerdy sister or Amanda's big nerdy sister, and never just Jennifer. In mine. Oh, well, I'll say. Obviously, this is all from my extremely narrow 18-year-old middle child perspective. So when I ditched Michigan for Florida for college in my Army RTC scholarship, <coughs> that some of you are still surprised about, I obviously... <laughs> Signed up for a room of my own on campus. Who knew you could get your own room as a freshman? Yes, I was there. I was craving alone time, which I called Jen time, because I changed my name my senior year from Jennifer to Jen. Uh, And it was awesome. It was quiet. I could decorate however I wanted to, and no one was in my business or got the last word in for the day. I was finally alone. Now, fast forward 10 or 20 years, and here I am, a pastor's wife, a full-time public school teacher, mom to six, and I have more dreams, ideas, and things I want to pursue than I have time or money for. And so, obviously, I'm still craving gen time, and becoming a Catholic nun sounds fascinating. (laughs) And when Josh shared about meditation a few weeks ago and was talking about the desert, I was like, no noises at all? Now that is dreamy. I'm there. Where's the nearest desert? Um, It's just, got to have it. But here's where I want to clarify something at the very beginning before we get too far along. When we discuss solitude, which is what we're talking about, it's not just alone time, and it's not just gen time. Our lives are full from sunup to sundown, and yes, it's way easier to get groceries just by myself and to go to Hobby Lobby just by myself and to get away just by myself, and all those things are good. But it's just so I can have peace and quiet and a mom-sized time out for a few moments or hours. But it's one-sided. It's just for me. I'm not in a relationship with anyone but me for those moments. I'm alone, but I'm not actually seeking that time for the purpose of solitude. Solitude is not loneliness. And as Richard J. Foster shares, which if you're wondering kind of what we're speaking on, this is a great book, uh, Celebration of Discipline, and it kind of goes over the 12 that we're sharing on these 12 weeks. Uh, Loneliness is inner emptiness. However, solitude is inner fulfillment. When we experience solitude, we don't fear being alone, for we know that we are not alone. We do not seek time to be alone just to avoid people, delightful, but to hear the divine whisper better. See, that's key. Alone time and solitude, two separate things. 
It's not just to avoid people, but instead the purpose of solitude is to hear the divine whisper better. If you flip to any of the first few books in the New Testament, you will read for yourself over and over, and we're kind of on a schedule here, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, Jesus regularly sought the wilderness, time alone, up in the hills to be alone. Before big events and after big events, he sought out lonely places, but he wasn't lonely. If I have the same power of the Holy Spirit living in me that we sing about and proclaim, that in fact I am to, to model right after him and do the same thing. And life is a balance of community that involves friendships and families and doing life together on one hand and safely being alone. Andy and I found out early on that we were really different. Getting married, I thought we were on the same we were the same because our values and morals were pretty much spot on. We believed in the same thing and the same Jesus and all these things that are important to get married on why you get married. We were we were together and agreed on. But after years of the same disagreements, we finally realized that man, we are so different. He can re-energize with people and going and going and going and just a few hours of sleep night after night. And when we're finally honest about what makes us tick, I can be with people. I'm a teacher after all. But to be on that stage, I have to have a lot of quiet time before and after. I, in fact, energize without people and with lots and lots of sleep. And so we have to balance that out um, and out of respect for each other. It's community and alone time for solitude. But it's not just alone time. It's alone time for a purpose. And in our American culture, we are brainwashed to dream big. I, I fell for it. <laughs> and go after it. And it's kind of an American thing. Um, not everyone, not every culture is like that. But we're to be the leaders and we're to lead, lead, lead. The leader in me, lead. That's not what a leader does. Lead, lead, lead. Uh, we lead families, we lead classrooms, we lead corporations and teams and events and on and on and on. You dream it, you lead it, and then you repeat it, and you keep going, you keep going. It's the American dream. But recently, I took a solitude trip. And in our marriage, based on who I am and what I do for a living and my personality, I'm just simply better at this than Andy. In case you haven't figured out why you wanted me to share on this particular one. He's just learning this one. Uh, so I planned a camping trip by myself um, in May to the Smoky Mountains right after school got out because I was fried. I planned, um, I planned it in like February because I was already fried in February. Um, and my main agenda included four things. Number one, a waterfall hike. So I just, my kids and I, we just like to hike to waterfalls. So I had this whole waterfall path I was going to do. Number two, eat healthy because, you know, I'm still clearly addicted to sugar. Uh, number three, see if God wanted to share anything with me on plans he has for my life. Some vision, but he probably won't because it's always ha this has already happened when I get away, like every time I get away. And there's no way he's creative enough to do it again. And number four, maybe this being the key one, not to be eaten by a bear. So I went ahead and booked a family waterfall camping trip for a few weeks afterwards. So I've got my waterfall trip, and then I already went ahead and booked a family waterfall trip for later on. We were going to do this. Uh, my kids and I have recently in the few years enjoyed hiking to waterfalls to be absolutely thrilled, but we were disappointed every time. But not on my watch. Remember, lead. I'm leading my family. I'm going to do this. This is what they want, and I'm going to deliver. So I was scoping out some epic waterfalls that we could return to next summer that the hike would be awesome, but the falls at the end of the hike would be worth it and swimmable. 
because they want to, like, see the falls and swim and get the picture. Like, I'm right there with them. So I got up there, and it's only rain in the forecast, of course. But I'm selfishly here for the waterfalls and for the quiet because 180 days of being Miss Bicker, Miss Bicker, Miss Bicker, Miss Bicker to an all-girls fourth-grade class and mom, 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 mom to six kids, four of them being the same age that I was teaching, and Jen, 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 Jen to the rest of the world, you got to cut it out for a bit and detox. Also, let me slide in here. Okay, so here's why I'm talking about it, and I'm going to tell you about this trip because it's kind of important, but like you have to kind of know some backstory to get there, and then we're going to talk about scripture. (laughs) It's coming. Okay, so and that's like in general. You got to know people's backstory to understand the version of the person you see today. We've all gone through stuff. Um, So pause real quick on the waterfall story, and I'm going to kind of quickly explain what led up to this as well. So while we were doing this study with the Vineyard uh, College and Career Group, so this packet that most of us went through this last year, um, I discovered, who knew, that I have a pattern of hearing and listening and knowing that God is for me and with me when I'm away by myself and in nature. Um, And usually involves coffee too. And this year in my classroom, like nature became like key to like our teaching and I didn't plan it, it just kind of happened. So like nature was like right there for me. Um, And so when we were reflecting on some of the questions in the packet, like these things kept coming up and I'm like, oh, I heard God there, I heard God there, I heard God there. Um, And so I want you to kind of see this pattern in my own life. Um, So when I was like 18 or 19, I don't know, Oh, it was in college. Um, At the lake in Michigan, uh, not Lake Michigan, which is epic, but another lake, um, I finally realized it was okay that I might be single my whole life. Of course, you know how the story goes. Three months later, you meet the Andy boy, and all is fine. But um, at the time, like, I was finally okay with that. And so it was nature. I was alone by myself at the beach, and I finally, like, had a peace about being just who I am. Um, and then the next event that was like kind of big on the list was I was driving over this bridge um, and over this river in Seattle and gripping onto the ste- steering wheel, belting out no longer slave song that happened to come on right at that moment. I don't do bridges. Um, and declaring and believing with my whole heart for the first time, I am no longer a slave to fear, but instead a child of God. And this is when adoption was simply too much. It was too much for me. It was too much. Too much. It was hard. It was too hard. Um, and, he split, and he split the seas of whatever it be. My seas of the time was adoption and parenting and making these kids um, as part of the family. And so, but the line in the song was that he split the seas of fill in the blank so that we could walk right through it. And so again, we have a pattern of nature, being alone, a song or a scripture, and that's usually kind of a theme for me, uh, jumping out. And this was at the coffee shop before I drove, and just this piece. In Finland, um, I was in Finland a couple years ago, and we were driving past this winter forest of white, and it was pure magic um, over and over. And I was trying to process why I had a meltdown in the home ec room with the sewing machines when we were touring schools. And that's when I knew, once we got back on the bus, and I was just, it was just tree after tree after tree, Um, I knew for the first time why I believe what I believe in education and what it should look like for children. And again, the pattern is nature, being alone, life, all this life stuff's overlapping and a peace. And then at a campfire circle in the most liberal place in America, um, in Washington State, uh, this last winter, um, and we were, it was a campfire circle at a school, 
And we were looking at this warm and cozy schoolroom that was a yurt. Did I say that right? Yurt? Yurt. Um, And knowing for the first time that not only did academics belong in our classroom, like I'm a teacher, duh, uh, you kind of know that. But then like Finland was for like home ec is still part of it. And now I'm in Washington and I'm like, wait, nature is a classroom itself. And those three things go together. And the following day, I had this cry fest, literally, on the airplane over the Rocky Mountains when I had this season song on repeat that I had just discovered, like, for the first time. And so I'm listening to it on repeat on an airplane with people. And it says, Oh, how nature acquaints us with the nature of patience. Like a seed in the snow, I've been buried to grow. For your promise is loyal from seed to sequoia. Though the winter is long, even richer the harvest it brings. Your promise for me is like a seed. I can see the promise. I can see the future. You're the God of seasons, and I'm just in the winter. I'm just one season right now. And if, I know what I, and if all I know of harvest is that it's worth my patience... And so I just kept listening, and I'm like, how is this song popping on my phone thingy-majiggy, like, right now? Like, I just left nature in this school, and, like, it was all coming together, and I cried so much on that airplane um, by myself that the non-English-speaking gentleman next to me knew he couldn't comfort me with his words, but he could offer me what he had, which was a Jolly Rancher. I politely declined and thought, well, honey, you are crying on an airplane, like, boo-hoo crying, and you need to get it together, but I couldn't, and so I just kept playing the song again and again and made all my people listen to it, Um, and that song and that experience, even though I was on a trip with a really dear friend and coworker, was so personal for me at that moment, and I felt like that trip was for me, Um, and so it just stayed on repeat all winter long, and even though we don't really do winter here. But, like, the months on the calendar was winter, um, and it wasn't cold. But, like, I saw that pattern again. So Washington was nature. It was being alone. I had a lot of time to myself to process it. I had the song, um, and life was overlapping. And, again, I, like, had this peace. So then I walked through some kind of hard things professionally and personally. They kind of still overlapped it, but mostly professionally. Um, and they were hard. I cried and cried. And, like, you know, the nights you just cry to, like, yourself to sleep, like, you just can't stop. Maybe it's me. I don't know. I'm emo. Um, and I wasn't lonely, like, because I just was, like, at a place where, like, I knew what I believed. Um, but I was really having to start to define and put into words who I was and what I believed. And in this case, it happened to be education. And I had so many moments where I clung to solitude in this season of winter. Um, And this is just one of the ways God brings us into a hush, a stillness that may work an inner transformation in our souls, as Richard Foster reminds us. I was okay with not snapping out of it. I like to hold grudges. I like to cry. Um, And I wasn't going to snap out of it. It was a season because he was refining me, and I knew it. Where I felt like I was in hot water for being too passionate, a bit crazy and creative in one classroom setting, a totally different classroom setting called me out on it too, but said, bring it. Bring the creativity and the passion. We need it. And they didn't even know what I was walking through. 
They could have used any two words in the English language to describe who I was as a teacher, and they used the ones that were causing me to cry deep down in my soul because they were causing conflict, and I don't like conflict. And I wasn't trying to be conflict. <laughs> I was just trying to be me. And only God writes those kind of chapters. <clears throat> Again, this season was a lot of alone time and a song and people speaking truth to my soul and walking through hard days. He let me walk through that part or the pain because he was weaving my heart and my passions and my creativity together for the next right chapter in my story. <clears throat> so I'm sure you've seen my, pa my patterns here, and there are so many other super cool stories that are all part of that, um, and dreams that I had, and like real dreams like at night, not gen dreams. Um, but it's a really rich story, like plot line. But for the sake of time, and me personally, when nature and feelings and God and relationships and songs and Bible verses and stories and people speaking into my life all merge, I choose to take the time to step back in solitude to see how this is overlapping. It's a big deal. It gives me this peace that can only come from God. Solitude isn't just hear God's whisper to know what my next steps in life are, which is good and helpful, but it's also about growing in our relationship together. It's God and me, period. Nothing else. Everything else is extra. And listen to this good, juicy tidbit. This is by Bob Goff, and I'm just going to read you this page because it's so perfect. Hold on, I kind of grabbed the tissue here. <clears throat> okay. What if we found out God's big plan for our lives is that we wouldn't spend so much time of our so much of our time trying to figure out a big plan for our lives. Perhaps he just wants us to love him and love each other. Our ability to change is often blocked by our plans. Some people look for shooting stars or ladybugs landing on their noses as answers from God. Sure, he could communicate this way. But honestly, while these kinds of things have happened to me, they've never really felt like answers. They just felt like reminders. I don't think God uses card tricks to get our attention. Rather, he gives us hopes and dreams and desires. He gives us, I can never say these big words, tenacity and resilience and courage. He's made us good at some things and horrible at other things. He brings joyful, beautiful, fun people into our lives and a few difficult ones too. Sometimes he changes the trajectory of our plans by taking away what we're comfortably known and letting us fly through valleys that are deeper and narrower than, narrower than any we've been through before. Don't ignore the green lights you already have. What delights you? What fires your imagination? What fills you with a deep sense of meaning and purpose? What draws you closer to God? What is going to last in your life and the lives of others? Do those things. They're your green lights. Most of us already have more lights than we need. Don't wait to join a movement. A movement is just a bunch of people making moves. Be a movement. Figure out what your next move is going to be and then make it. No one is remembered for what they only planned to do. <clears throat> so in small group, when the questions were things like this, which a lot of you went through the same thing, and you're like, yeah, yeah. for me, they were like home runs, man. When... When are, the most when are you most aware of God's presence and love? When are you most able to live out that presence and love? How does God manifest his love for you? How might you be able to best grow in actively living out and embracing the kingdom of God? These chapters 
So for me, it was like the lake, the bridge, the finished forest, the Washington campfire were all huge examples to answer these questions. And those questions were in my face and on my heart when I planned this solo camping trip. Okay, so back to this summer's camping trip, the hiking trip by myself. But yet, I really doubted that God could actually show up and speak to me again in the whisper that I couldn't deny he was still working in my life, and he chooses me day after day after day. So here I am camping solo. It's Tennessee in May, and the first I there, I like drove by myself, and I put my tent up in the rain, I cooked my own meals and no sugar, uh, so I'm ready for my first hike. It's the next morning, it's about 45 minutes away, and the parking lot bathroom is disgusting. There are no maps of the trails, and so I'm forced to wing it. However, the path is marked, so it's beautiful, it's not raining, I'm in the forest, um, I have the right gear, I mean, I freaking look like a professional hiker. <laughs> I have the right shoes, I have the official hiking poles, both hands, and I have water, I'm good. The path is marked. I'm hiking so that I can enjoy an epic waterfall. And so, it, and it's swimmable, I already knew that based on my research. And my tribe is going to think I'm the best mom ever when I bring them back next year. Hike on, sister, is what I'm like self-telling myself here, I got this. Oh, and there's no way God can speak to me again in a nature setting. He just did that six months ago. So I'm still good from like six months ago in Washington. And then the path dumps me at the river and gives me no further directions on how to get to the waterfall. And I'm ticked. How could this happen? This is why I'm here, to get waterfall pictures. I am not about to turn around in defeat. So I analyze the water flow and infer that I must go left because the water is flowing right downstream, and obviously the water is being pushed by the waterfall. I'm basically a genius at this point. <laughs> so before I know it, I'm like, I got this. I'm up to my knees, and it's getting deeper and deeper and more dangerous, and there's nobody around because it was crack of dawn. Amazing how much energy you have with nobody with you. Um, and I think perhaps this is not so smart. I don't want to my children to be orphaned again. So I turn around in defeat, and I get, oh, Andy, too, yeah, you're fine, oh, you'll be good, uh, and I get ticked again, and I think, no, things have been too hard these last eight years of parenting and this last season at school to just give up on this. Gosh darn it, I'm going to figure this out. I reminded myself that I have the right gear, supplies, and now it's a mental game, and so I crisscross the creek back and forth and finally reach the goal of the waterfall. I took approximately 36 selfies and started to cry. It's a theme I also have. Um, I noticed a couple, and so like I'm taking pictures, and in my selfie, I'm like, there's a couple up at the top of the waterfall. And I'm sure it was clear on my face exactly my thoughts on that. Um, and I said to myself, wait, you didn't earn that waterfall picture. You didn't do the hard work to get here. You just took an easy path and got your picture-perfect waterfall picture. You are just cheaters, and get out of my picture. I hiked the hike when it wasn't easy. And all these emotions and feelings came over me, and I thought about marriage and parenting. Like, it was just like, whoosh, like everything that was going on in my life just kind of dumped on me. And I thought about, like, who I am. All this is going on, and just the people at the top. We're in their own little world, and who I'm created for, and why I'm here, and the line just popped in my brain, can I really follow Jesus when I spend most of my time leading? 
And dang, these waterfalls are loud. It's too loud. In fact, they're pretty, but I got to get out of here. I need the quiet hiking path again because I just wrapped up 180 school days of loud and I cannot handle another moment of rushing water. Everything in life is rushing and rushing and loud and loud and loud. But the hike was fun and hard and quiet. And I just took that nature moment to hear God's whisper and soak it in. And so I went on another hike to another waterfall, and sure enough, dang, that waterfall's loud too. And so like, I planned this whole trip for the waterfalls, and I didn't even like them. And it was like a really pretty final picture. I took my picture just so I could prove I was there and Instagram it. But this, like, but what I really, really, like, my favorite part of it was all these moments that I felt like I was finally, like, hearing again. But the dreary, rainy, two-mile path to the waterfall was way better. It felt like I was in a life-size fairy garden, and the hidden tiny waterfalls, basically just small trickles here and there and not on the map, simply took my breath away. They were so tranquil. Everything was green and all naturey, and I was alone on my path all by myself for like an hour, and there were no bears. It was good. And I wasn't expecting to enjoy the hiking part of the hike. I wanted the waterfall experience. I was expecting to enjoy the waterfalls at the end of the path, but I needed to remind myself to slow down and be quiet and finally learn to enjoy the hike we call life. And every hike to every waterfall, I kept having these crazy takeaways. It's just another waterfall, but I kept like learning. And when I thought I could observe no more, bam, another aha moment from God. On one hike, there were lots more people. It was very touristy. And they, these random hikers started cheering me on, because I look professional, and saying, oh, you're going so fast. Keep going. You got it. Those are great poles. Where'd you get your poles? And I was like, well, how fun to get cheered on. Wait, do I ever cheer people on during their hikes? Like, do I cheer strangers and friends on when they're hiking through life? It really helps. I should probably be more encouraging to people in general. I wasn't setting out to get aha moments, but they kept happening as I kept hiking. And then another waterfall hike, I went almost to the edge of the top of the falls, and bam, I instantly knew what this hike was teaching me. Stop and take the detour. I just saw a sign. I was like, eh, I don't have anybody with me. I can make my own choices. I'm taking it. And so I chose to go to this waterfall, and I took a risk on the edge. And we need to take risk on the edge sometimes, but don't stay there just long enough to grow in bravery. I promise you, these are not Jen Baker thoughts. So I went from Jennifer to Jen to now I'm just Jen Baker. That's like a first name. These were little life nuggets of encouragement right from God because I don't think like this. It took the hike and a refocusing on what was important and not the waterfall picture that I went for, but the hike journey for me to hear God's divine whisper again. It's not about the final to-do list, the job you're working your entire career for, the final family picture you hope to achieve but the hike with God through it all. The relationship you grow into after spending time hiking through hard stuff and fun stuff and mountaintop really great stuff and valley low stuff, valley low not so fun stuff. It's the hike on the path. It may be up, it may be down, but it's mostly just mundane. What's the word? Mundane. Yeah, I can't say that word, but you know what I mean. Just kind of keep going. 
Okay, so that's the background stories that I needed you to know to set the tone, the scene for this scripture. So if you could put up 1 Kings 19. Okay, so all that's important. So here we are, 1 King. And again, I just stole this one from our little Bible study for the church this year. All right, I'm starting at 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave and a voice, a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So we think it's loud. We think God's voice is loud. It is the, the windstorm, the earthquake. It's, it's bright like the fire, and it's not. It's the gentle whisper. And so solitude doesn't just mean alone time. It, means invo- it always involves the act of listening. It's the awakening of all of our senses, but especially what we can hear. The purpose of silence and solitude is to be able to hear and see. You can work by yourself and live by yourself and grocery shop by yourself and still not seek a purposeful purposeful time of silence and solitude to be able to see and hear God. We have a choice, and it's only a choice. It's never forced ever to be in relationship with God. I guarantee he has more wisdom and guidance than the New York Times bestseller, your group of friends, and all of social media combined. And to borrow a few lines from Andrew Peterson, supposedly he's a song singer, songwriter, author. He says like this, he says things are going to happen, like the resurrection, and then when it does, we're like, whoa, how'd that happen? This is why solitude is so important. When a farmer plants a new seed for a new season, he has to tear open or dig into the world. He has to open a wound. And this is how he works. Therefore, if you're going to bear fruit for the kingdom, then you are signing up for DCF. Deny yourself, bring up your cross, and follow me. It's the only sermon I remember from youth group. Uh, And that's basic Christianity. You're going to get wounded. It's going to hurt. But you are not in crisis because he's mad at you. You're in crisis, which is walking the hard hike. Because this is the only way, and it's the right way. And he could come up with other ways, but this is the only way that's right for us. In one day, the wounds, the scars, they will all make sense. And this is why solitude is so important. When Jesus was resurrected, the scars were still there. If we turn to John 20, 19 through 30. On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as whatever, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. 
But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, so his scars, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the door, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, see my scars. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, even with the scars. And the scars make him more beautiful, not less. More glorious, not less. He didn't come back squeaky clean with smooth hands. He carries the scars with him. He's not making a new world. He's making a world the world new, and that's better. He's taking what's broken in all of us and refashioning it into something more beautiful than it can ever have been otherwise. And that's why solitude is so important. He says life is going to happen, and we got to take a time out and say again, whoa, how'd that happen? Solitude allows for that. And so here's some obvious practical steps. Okay, uh, plan some solitude time. Every day, every week, every month, every season, once a year. Mine personally gets longer and longer and more frequent the more kids I have, the longer I teach, and the longer I'm married. But that's just me. Take your birthday off and seek solitude. Take a Wednesday off or plan a long weekend. You can find a way with your budget to make it happen. If you have obstacles, for me it's children and childcare, uh, be a problem solver and work it out. Thankfully, I have an incredible village that I could shove them at. Uh, Be in community, but be okay with healthy alone time. It's not lonely time. It's healthy alone time. I read a quote from a book, um, something to the effect of, you might be boring if you don't like to be alone by yourself. When it's, number three, when it's super busy and productive and go, 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 like life is crazy, go waste time being just with God. That is the time. When is the last time you walked away from all the noise and in the middle of the noise when it was actually the worst time to go on a solitude journey? These are the moments when we are reminded that although we are talented and gifted, we still need to find our total dependence on God. And like I shared another sermon, like for me it's adoption. I could do it all until I adopted and I realized I can't do it all anymore. Uh, But what's your story? Like, you can't do it all alone. You have to depend on God 100%. If you never turn it off, the TV, the radio, the phone, social media, there's no way. If you don't turn off your own mouth, there's no way. Shh, shut up. Be still. Go away from distraction and just wait. He made all of creation, and that's why we're so enamored by it. And he knows how to get your attention and talk to you and be with you. It may not be my equation. It won't be my equation that I don't normally hear. It's your equation. But you have to make the choice to be quiet so that you can hear his whisper and calling and vision over your life. The last uh, practical step to solitude is stop overcrowding your schedule. I'm preaching to the choir here. <laughs> 
You aren't that important, I promise. Yes, we need to work hard for earn a living for our families and to be an awesome community together and to care for our bodies and to be all about passion and creativity. But dear Jesus, you got to slow down. You got to breathe. And we have to make time for solitude because your relationship with God is more important than anything else in the world. And so I'm going to wrap up here with some charges, I guess is the word. Like, let's see if you'll take it. Here we go. Number one. Will you not only seek out healthy times to be alone, but will you seek out times, times to hear God's voice? It's a whisper. It's not loud, and it's totally not in your face, like the windstorm, the earthquake, the blazing fire. It's the piece of his whisper in your heart that lines up with the truth of the Bible and how he made you deep in your soul. Number two, stop leading everything. Yes, we are to lead many things, but we don't lead God. We follow God. We serve others out of our overflow of being filled up by God. How can we follow God if we're too busy leading everything? Stop leading so that you can get to the mountaintop as if, uh, if that's all that matters. So it's not just, i got to get to the next mountaintop because it's just there. That's all that matters. But most of life is in the valley. I stole that from this week. And coming and the coming and goings of the path, the hike, that is where it's at. Number three, when you take the time to allow for specific moments of solitude, remember Jesus. He went away from people time after time so that when you are with people, you are fully and truly present. You should be aware that you are most patient and understanding of those who were on, of those who were on your last nerve. We need time to remember that every single person was made in God's image and that there's no pecking order with people, just chickens. There aren't any, you aren't any better than anyone else. Your compassion for people should increase after times of solitude. Oh, I have another three. I guess it's a four. Will you take time? Okay, here we're going to get a little, I'm just going to kind of, this is, sorry, this is good. Will you take the time to stop, to reflect, to see how all these tiny things are writing a bigger story that only God can write? Will you slow your roll and see how that valley and that mountaintop and that hike through the rainy path is connecting all the dots? Will you be brave enough not to stay where you are, to grow just like nature does, to not only be okay with the seasons of life, but to embrace them as a part of your story for his glorification, not for personal glorification? Let him lead you on your hike. Be okay with just the hike of life itself. The waterfalls and the final picture will be beautiful, but the little life nuggets, the songs that you keep on repeat, the scripture, the people in your life, the words spoken over you and about you, what you are learning and how, are you, how you were created like no one else on earth, the times where you're just crying and crying and letting the Holy Spirit heal you, not anything else, and speak through you through your tears, the true story of Jesus that he wants to be in communion with you. These little things are all woven together just for you in a way that makes sense just to you because God knows what makes you you. We don't just take communion like we did this morning, but we remember that we get to be in communion with the living God. We are made with a whole that can only be filled by Jesus. Will you take all those seeds and put away your selfish self and let God plant you in this beautiful garden right now and right here? 
We can look to nature to remind us how he works through seasons to make us more like him. Will you let yourself be filled with wonderment? That is a beautiful word. Wonderment again and again and again. Will you appreciate that he has made the sunrise, that gardenia, that sequoia, to the micro, to the majestic of all things found in nature, all to remind us of his incredible creativity? To quote a friend that doesn't know we're friends on Instagram, uh, it was on my feed this morning, and it was so. Is exactly what I was trying to say. In a world that offers a thousand heartaches, noticing and being filled with wonder over and over again help our hearts as we journey through this harsh wor- world. It's it's not a secret that it's hard and harsh, but like we got to take time to stop and see that and appreciate that and be filled with wonderment again and again and again. So will you appreciate the wonderment that he picked you to be you? Will you embrace your quirks, embrace your story, and sign up again for this new season of life with a peace that can only be found in Jesus Christ? I want to end with a few lines from a song that started to play on repeat during that trip. I usually get a song and like for a season, and my kids are sick of it, but I just, I just have to keep playing it again. Um, and I think it's a banner song for solitude. And I won't sing because that would just be bad. So, uh, come weary and tired, worn out from life. I know there's some of you in here that are. Step out of the shadows and walk into light. Come sinner or saint, slave man or free. Bring blessings and offerings, then you shall see. There is a peace to settle your soul. You've been tempted and shaken and tested and failed. You've been so far from Jesus and too close to hell. Your vision's been clouded by this world's delight, but I tell you, you're not of this world, so stand up and fight. There is a peace to settle your soul. And I just felt like there was three things that I wanted to pray. I'm not really good at praying for people, but my people are. Um, Three things I just couldn't, like, stop thinking about that I just knew had to be part. Like, okay, number one, some of you are going to be in a new season, and you're going to invite solitude to that. And I want to, like, that's hard. That's hard for some people. Praying out loud is hard for me. Um, But, like, this is easy for me, so I'd love to pray over that for you. Oh, I just thought I'd pray for people. Um, But you have, I really, I would love to see what you take away from solitude. Just try it. It's not scary, I promise. Um, It's very freeing. Uh, Number two, there are, I would love... I'm going to invite, if you don't know Jesus, this is your time. It's an invitation, and it's free. We all have scars, and he has scars. But I I can't go back to my seat without asking if someone would like to know Jesus. And the third thing, maybe you know Jesus and you're scarred up from the hike and you're just trying to get to the waterfall, but it's not about the waterfall. It's about the hike and the path and the day-to-day. And so um, just if there's somebody here that wants to renew their relationship with Jesus and start again for a new season to open up the wounds again um, and say, use me and be with me and know me, everything else will work out. But if you don't know Jesus, um, that is the most important thing. So, Amen.